The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with Ellie Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Good morning and welcome to Our Wild World. Uh, today we have a special guest, Joshua Ole Musa, and uh, we're going to be talking about rekindling the Maasai cultural heritage. And uh, the Maasai have become the iconic face of Africa in recent decades thanks to popular culture and mass tourism. Their image is displayed in brochures, magazines, and on billboards around the world. Despite their fame, the Maasai are fast losing their material culture and profound knowledge of livestock, environment, and wildlife. Their culture is facing growing challenges from both outside and within as they embrace developments in formal education and contemporary modern westernized world. I'd like to introduce you to Josh Olamusa, a Maasai from uh, the slopes of Kilimanjaro and team member of the Maasai Cultural Heritage Project. Good morning, Joshua. Welcome to Our Wild World. Good morning, Ali, and thank you for hosting me. It's wonderful to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and why you came to be with the Maasai Cultural Heritage Project? Well, thank you, Ali. Uh, first, I'll start by introducing myself. Uh, my name is Joshua Kirinko Ole Musa, born on the southern part of uh, Kenya, a place called Amboseli. Uh, it's a famous national park and right by the slopes of Mount Kilimanjaro. Well, um, this is where I grew up and I attended uh, primary education in uh, Namirov Primary School, which is uh, uh, just outside Amboseli National Park, and later joined Kemana High School, uh, which is maybe 30 miles away from my, my village. And after that, pursued on my education uh, uh, on hospitality and joined Kenya Utali College. Uh, at Kenya Tali College, um, this is a school that was founded by the Swiss government and uh, uh, later <clears throat> they ran it for a couple of years and after that uh, the Kenyan government took over. This is where I learned about Switzerland and uh, not realizing that a couple of years later I'll be, I'll be there. And uh, after graduating at Kenya Tali College, I didn't really look for a job, went back home and um, uh, help my parents uh, looking after the kettles. It's, that's our traditional life. And uh, after that, um, I had a chance to go to Switzerland in 2005 to pursue my 
degree in hospitality, and I, I got a bachelor degree there. Uh, had a chance to um, get a job opportunity with the St. Regis Hotel just when I was graduating here in Aspen, and um, that moved me out to the United States. And uh, after a couple of years, um, being outside and experiencing how culture, uh, how different cultures, uh, di- the different cultures that we have in the world. And it made me uh, really interested with uh, cultural and uh, uh, wildlife conservation. And that's why I teamed up, I teamed up with the Maasai Heritage Program, which was founded by uh, the director of Sorello, John Kamanga. And um, that is that is what we're carrying right now to try to uh, to to change the Maasai culture to adapt to the to the modern uh, changing world. Uh, we're facing a lot of challenges right now, and really um, that's where we are right now. And uh, we're trying to 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 get the Maasai Heritage Program uh, established and move on to see that at the end of this year we're having. Um, we, we, we launched our first Maasai Heritage Museum where we'll be showcasing our cultural festival every year. Well, that was a huge amount of information. So let's, yeah. let's, um, that's quite a story. So let's back up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. You were born on the slopes of Mount Kilimanjaro in Amboseli, an incredible national park in Kenya. And then you went to Switzerland. So between going to school, primary and secondary, you went back home and, um, fulfilled the, the Maasai tradition. Did you become an elder? Yes. A Maasai elder? Yeah, I was, uh, Say pretty much was among uh, the lucky people to have experienced uh, the real culture of Maasai. Uh, I've lived with all the traditions until now. I'm still a warrior in the community. Um, <clears throat> I grew up in a family. My dad was a chief of warriors uh, who they normally get elected by each and every headset. So I was really right in the roots of where the traditions of the Maasai culture take place, uh, owing to the fact that my dad was the chief of warriors and his, his, uh, his work was, uh, to foresee his headset undergo all those traditional practices. And okay. so, um, go, sorry. No, sorry. go ahead. And, um, yes, I'm, uh, I'm a warrior. I've done all the cultural, uh, activities that, you know, a Maasai warrior would do. Um, lived up to the traditions until now. I haven't still been changed by the West, even though I've been here for so long. And, uh, uh, yes, I've done the, the, all those, like lion head, uh, hunting lions, heading after carols, uh, all those that a Maasai, uh, young man would be proud doing as a, as a young growing up and really practicing the traditional values as well. Well, there's a little bit of controversy right there in what you said in terms of the lion hunting mm-hmm. and uh, the decline of lion populations today. Did um, are, Is your cultural heritage program working with some of that to find uh, different ways to interact and maintain a cultural relationship with lions without killing them? That is exactly where we are right now. We are adjusting to the changing world. Uh, our, our generation was probably the last one to... To, uh, to practice these uh, things. And right now, 
I'm with all against it. No Maasai that is on support of that anymore. We're all working to see that we preserve these lions for future generations. And also, um, um, most people are realizing the value of the lion and uh, uh, the tourism that it brings that we all, you know, pretty much the Maasai community in large depends on. So... Uh, we're doing a lot of efforts, uh, you know, under African Conservation Fund. We we have a lion project that, you know, that's what we're working on, see that we preserve all the lions uh, that are still available. So um, this is a tradition that is gone, and we're just getting into to the modern world right now, adjusting as how globalization is taking us. So we'll... This is this is good news. So I'd like our listeners to be aware. You've heard it straight from the Maasai mouth. Um, there's been a lot of inter- uh, controversy over the Maasai and lions and living in uh, community and conflict or concert with lions. So this is a big change for the Maasai uh, culture and their heritage as lions have long played a very big part of the culture. Um, Josh, are you familiar with the Living with Lions and Lion Guardians program? I've, um, I've heard of them, uh, <clears throat> I've read about them, and I, I know exactly where they're located, and they're also doing a pretty uh, productive job to see that we save these lions. Well, this is, this is exciting. I'm, I'm glad to hear this. So to go back to your story a little bit, you've come a really long way from Kilimanjaro to Switzerland to Aspen, Colorado, which is where I'm located also, and that's how we happen to meet. So um, what was it like for you uh, to, to leave the village from the first time to Switzerland? That must have been quite a cultural shock or cultural change. Indeed, it was. Um, everything right from Jomo Kenyatta International Airport. I've never been there before. And right there when I was boarding a plane, I had family members and probably a hundred people that came and waved to me saying bye-bye. <laughs> Remember this, we never used to have a lot of people even leaving the Maasai land going to other parts of Kenya. And really to see someone moving and boarding a plane going to a foreign land, it was something else. And everybody just wanted to come and say bye-bye, good luck. And uh, yeah, being at the at the airport and meeting all these, you know, tourists that are going back to their homeland and they all look excited. I was lost already, you know, and but <clears throat> yeah, going through uh, everything, the communication system, the transportation system, the culture, the big buildings, everything, uh, the language, everything was all a shock to me. And um, I remember, for example, getting into the to Geneva International Airport, and uh, four people that I met and trying to ask direction, none of them spoke English, you know. <laughs> and I had the assumption before that every other white person spoke English. <laughs> so, you know, I, that's when I get to realize, and you know, it was it was all a shock to me. But uh, you know, time went by and just got to to adjust towards it, try to, to analyze everything, learn how to to pay for a bus ticket, you know, on a vending machine, 
all this, how to order food really in a fine restaurant, everything was all different. And uh, I say it's tend to be a positive thing. You know, I think traveling is to everybody, it opens you up and it shows you a lot of things. And uh, these are the same knowledge now I, you know, see us working with the Maasai cultural heritage to kind of modify our culture to to really suit in to the modern world. So really, your Maasai, your personal Maasai cultural heritage education began with you leaving the Manyata and finding out what it was like to participate in the larger world, which up until that point you'd sort of heard about with um, or from tourists. Uh, those who often travel for the first time to Africa and are introduced to the Maasai is usually through an arranged visit to a cultural heritage manyara, which I personally don't think gives the visitor a genuine experience of the Maasai people and seems more to give an idea that we Westerners would like to keep the Maasai and other tribal people we encounter in what I call a cultural artifact stuck in time. We often don't get any concept that the people we meet in these mud and dung huts are living in the same century as we are or of how our world and even our visits to their manadas affects them, their village, their view of us, the Westerners, and their life. What would be a message that you would have about this exchange from being in the your cultural village in Kilimanjaro, from uh, visiting with tourists there, to your experience now, I, I guess we're going to look in some hindsight, to being in Switzerland and coming to the U.S. Of course. Uh, the Maasai are living in the same century. We just choose to live in a, in a way that is more traditional to our culture. Uh, we have lived this way for centuries, and it has worked well for us and the environment we live in. Uh, however, things are changing. Um, in this age of globalization, in constant challenges, it constant ch- challenge to balance our traditions with the changing world. And <clears throat> I'd also like to really uh, go on to this and challenge also the, the tourists that visit there. It's the same thing that uh, the masses see. They see these tourists, uh, people coming thousands and thousands of miles away to see their culture. But in real sense, they only have an exposure with them for for less than ha- an hour, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, both groups are busy. The other group are busy entertaining the other, and the others are so busy taking photos. And most of the times you find that these tourists, when they go there, they, they go with a help of guides, guides that are not even from, you know, the Maasai cultures so you're not so sure of really how well they are aware of the culture. And uh, so I really like to challenge them. Uh, when you want to go to the Maasai and experience it, you know, it's it's good to go find a way to to go and um, get the real exposure from the people rather than using a second party. There's, there's a whole lot of people trying to use the Maasai name uh, for their own personal reasons or trying to, mod, uh, to to give facts that are not true about the Maasai. So both parties actually need to kind of take time and understand each other. So when you go there as a tourist, try to 
there's a whole lot of learned Maasai's in the villages nowadays. You find those, the ones you see dancing to you, they, they really do speak English. They, they understand their culture. And to step aside and to find one that you can chit-chat with, um, it, it brings, it changes the whole perspective of how uh, you see the Maasai and how the Maasai sees you. So... So what, so what we're saying here is those of us who are going to visit Africa, whether it be for um, many times or the first time, take some time to um, participate and engage with the people. It's not a tourist visit. It's not, the Maasai are not a tourist site. They are a people with a long cultural heritage, and they do have a voice. And part of what Josh is trying to do and what we'll be talking about today is this Maasai voice and uh, an exchange of this Maasai culture so that the tourists visiting have the opportunity to get a deeper understanding of who these people are and how our very visit to them affects them. A lot of times we're so busy thinking, looking over at the curios and shopping and bargaining that we're not really paying attention to the voice that the Maasai people and our effect that uh, we have on just our presence being there. So at this point, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back and get into some more of Josh's story and the Maasai Cultural Heritage Program and the exciting things they have been doing to reconnect and bring about a shift and an, uh, an, and an engagement uh, through the Maasai culture of to coordinate their cultural heritage. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. 
That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. Welcome back, and we are talking with Joshua Karinkal Olemusa, a Maasai from the uh, Ambaseli area of Kenya, and discussing the project, the Maasai Cultural Heritage Program, that Joss is very involved in, and uh, bringing back uh, or, or reintegrating uh, modern culture with traditional culture. Josh, in an age of globalization and increasing cultural homogeneity, a young generation of Maasai is seeking out its cultural roots and sense of identity. The groundswell of interest is timely, but the task of recovering a fading heritage is daunting. How will you and your teammates of the Maasai Cultural Heritage Program propose to bring this program to light on the ground in Kenya? Thank you, Ali. We need to inspire Maasai community to gather and share cultural practices and knowledge so that a young generation can learn about our customs and meanings. Um, We hope to do this through our annual cultural heritage festival that will bring Maasai together, somewhat like a Native American powwow. Um, And through this festival, Maasai community members can share traditional cultural practices with each other, such as dances, songs, stories, environmental knowledge and skills, and our traditional lives of way. And um, such as how we can, you know, how we care for our kettles and livestock. We also realize we need a cultural center and a museum focused on Maasai culture. We hope this will be a gathering place for Maasai and others to learn about our heritage rather than getting information from uh, the outside world. We also need uh, institutions to perpetuate Maasai heritage and to build capacity to enhance the potential of a Maasai, Maasai knowledge, skills, and art. Uh, another point is uh, this is this is an initiative of, you know, just want to say, this is an initiative of uh, the South Rift Association of Land Owners and the African Conservation Fund, which uh, really the Maasai Cultural Heritage Program is under. In, in partnership with African Conservation Fund, National Museums of Kenya, sorry, and the Simazonians, who are, who are pretty famous uh, institutions, who are very famous as well around the globe, uh, who are partnering with us to see that uh, this all thing come to a reality. Well, so, this, is, uh, this is fascinating. So you're partnering with um, under the umbrella of the Azer- African Conservation Fund, which people can find your project at www.africanconservationfund.org, all one word, and uh, learn a little bit more from the African Conservation Center at www.conservationafrica.org. And then there's the uh, group ranches that have put in land and a, a consortium of land at www.soralo.org. And uh, you can always contact Josh uh, by phone or by email. And that is uh, his uh, telephone number is 3- 
Oops, nope, that's the wrong one. I'll let you, uh, your telephone number, Josh, is 970-989-8589. And his email is k-i-r-r-i-n-k-o-l at gmail.com. So if our listeners would like to call in and have any questions or comments for Josh, please call in to 1-866-472-5788 or send me an email at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at wildeyes.org. Um, so, Josh, you said some interesting things. I'd like to back up just a, a little bit so our listeners get a better idea. Um, as far as I'm aware, the Maasai culture it is made up of several clans. Am I correct? The Maasai, yes. So, so there's there's several clans that get together. How... Will the Maasai Cultural Heritage Program, I understand that you want to create a, a, a cultural heritage center, but in a society that is, um, I don't want to use the word divided because it's not divided, uh, but th- operates through a series of clans and clan relationships, how will you go about bringing all the clans together and where will this uh, cultural heritage center be so that all the clans can participate? Uh, good question, Ellie. And uh, <clears throat> first of all, uh, I just want to point out that the Maasai culture is made of different clans, which is kind of like the f- different families within the Maasai culture. But regardless of the clan you come from, we all embrace the same cultural practices. And so myself from uh, clan A and someone else from Clan B, uh, we practice the same cultural difference. But as this is where also we, we put on our bondage because I cannot marry, for example, people from the same clan. They are more considered like blood-related. But I can marry someone from another clan. And so that that is just a kind of social system that is set up. But we all embrace on the same traditional uh, cultures, uh, we we all. Um, it doesn't matter uh, from what clan you are, but um, our system is more based on clans in the edge set, which is the big thing. Uh, edge set. That's where you know you get to learn all the traditional rights and practice it with uh, people of your age on edge, which normally spans period of fifteen years, I'll say. And, so, um, does an age set include both men and women? Uh, it, it's only <clears throat> the masses is a very masculine, you know, community, and so um, it only includes men. But then you have the same generation. You have girls that are growing, girls of our generation uh, grow with us, and so they're not really part of the generation but they contribute a lot towards the success of each and every generation. So being a man, perhaps you, you're you not as qualified to answer this question, but don't the mm-hmm. women have their own age set or um, social groups and networks that are as important to the matriarchal line as it to the patriarchal line? That they don't. They don't. They don't. And... This is where um, each, each generation of girls as well is tied to, to the age group that they're growing up with, you know. 
And um, basically, you know, they dance together. Uh, they practice all the traditional values. The, the, the ladies are always there to decorate their men, make all the ornaments and, you know, carry the household things. And the men are out there heading the carols and uh, protecting the community. And so that's, that's, it. that's the only distinction. But really, um, we, we all cooperate in, in same cultural activities. Uh, you so, cannot... Go ahead. Uh, so I, I guess where I'm getting to is in this world of changing dynamics and increased pressure from the Western world and the, or what people want to call the first world, which I really think Africa is the first world and we've all developed beyond that or in, a, in a, along a different path. But in facing what the cultural heritage program is trying to do, and Maasai women getting more westernized or going to school and becoming educated, I'd say you have your work cut out for you to include – I'm not putting you on the spot here. Honestly, I'm not trying to challenge you or be negative. Um, I totally appreciate the Maasai culture. But part of what is happening today in in the, the shakeup that's going on is this western pressure and girls going to school and women being accepted as a, a part of – and a, a part – and an important part of any community and um, a building block of uh, a community and a family. So, uh, I'm, once again, I'm not putting you on the, the hot seat or anything here, but isn't that going to be one of the challenges that you'll face as women start to speak out and engage women in this cultural heritage program? Indeed. And, uh, you know... I want to clarify one thing that, you know, as we don't, we do values our women a lot. And um, just that before the, the tradition, the way it was set, we all had different responsibilities and more like the women were more at home. And but then their their practices were not really being bring to an exposed like uh the man's role. And we, we're in a changing world, and this is what we're embracing right now. This is what we're fighting for. We need to modernize our culture to bring in our ladies, our women, to, be, to contribute. And we do have a lot of them that are stepping up at the moment. And we're all accepting that, you know, women too um, have the same roles as we do. Um, they can be as hardworking as we are. Uh, they're all going to school like we do. Before, women were not you pay for school fees for your sons but not your daughters. And these are the things we're fighting to as well, uh, to bring this into a light, to bring, to get them involved. And that is just one of the ways that really tells you that we have to modernize our way. I'll mention as well here that uh, given at the moment the way uh, things are changing, we have the government that is playing a big role. There is a constitution, which is pretty much the supreme law of the land. We, have, we all have to observe it. And so it includes everybody, and everybody is treated equally. So the we, women are becoming a big role of our tradition right now, and they are at forefront of fighting for their rights as well. And 
some values we have to neglect because the time is gone. Like, you know, don't really want to mention a lot about this, but it's, you know, just like things like female genital mutilation. We're fighting that. It's the old tradition. It's not good. And so we're trying to incorporate the good traditional values and get rid of the bad, bad ones and see that it incorporates into the current world. Well, this is exciting, Josh. We yeah. have a caller. Yeah. Um, her name is Dusty. I believe I introduced the two of you via an email the other day. Dr. Dusty Becker from the LifeNet Nature Program, who's been on our show before and works closely with a group of Maasai in the Olorian area uh, of the Maasai Mara. Welcome, Dusty. Hello. Hey. You, this is a really exciting show, and, and I'm, it's just a great pleasure to hear what um, Karen Cole Olimusa is up to. It's, it's very, very wonderful. So um, is there a comment or a question with your experience with the Maasai group that you're working with, which is the Maasai, tell me again, Maasai Cultural Walking Safaris Conservation Group? Yeah, it's a group of um, Morans and young women that are trying to develop a walking safari for visitors. So you were talking earlier about getting a deeper understanding of the Maasai and the Maasai culture and a chance to really interact with them, and that's what these young people have created over on the Syria Plateau on the Olorian Group Ranch, and they are also trying to develop a conservancy because their lands are threatened greatly by agriculture. And so a question I had for for um, Karen Cole was just um, what his thoughts were about how how to deal with the, 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 the growth of agriculture around so many of the grasslands because the Maasai culture depends so much on grazing and grasslands, and these grasslands are under threat. And so I wondered what his foundation and his group might be doing to pr- preserve grasslands. Thank you, Dusty, and that's a really good question. I'll, uh also uh, point out that uh, sounds like um, your organizations with the Morans is, uh, is, is uh, positive things, and uh, that's what I mentioned earlier. Uh, you need to get in the Maasai's to show you the wildness rather than getting really uh, other people from the community. And the Maasai have, have had a long culture of living with wildlife, and uh, we had our own conservation uh, ways of, you know, uh, making sure that uh, our lands remain healthy and, like, for example, you know, the movement of cows from one area to another, that was mainly just to facilitate, you know, grass grow in the other area and then move to a different area when uh, uh, need be. But um, uh, the African Conservation Fund, uh, African uh, Conservation Center, uh, Sorello, which is a uh, South Rift Association of Land Owners, uh, does a lot of uh, initiative uh, to make uh, to educate the community on the, the importance of preservation and um, trying to highlight the benefits of conserving um, our own tradition, our own uh, environmental initiative. Uh, uh, combined with scientific ways, 
and for um, just letting them realize that the number of cows, the thousands of cows that you know we used to keep, time is gone for that. We need to to shift into small subsistence farming, um, and it's uh, it's pretty doubting, especially at this uh, time of the year where. Uh, it's becoming hard to, to get source of uh, living, and also with the change of climate, climate change, it's affecting our land. And uh, agriculture has been one of the main ways that is really uh, depreciating our, our, our land. So um, through this, um, we encourage people to to move on through uh, like productive, uh, keeping product productive, more productive livestock. Uh, you know, we try as well to encourage them to stay on to, to traditional breeds, which uh, pretty much will do well in this kind of, uh, of, clim- uh, of climate. And so such are the initiative and really uh, trying to uh, establish small eco- ecotourism group within the group ranches that will see these lands preserved for a long time. I don't know if I answered your question exactly. Correctly. Um, yeah, no, that, I, I, was, that was helpful. So what we 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 got here is w- hopefully our listeners are are finding out just what the challenge, the daunting task of preserving Maasai cultural heritage in today's world and uh, loss of traditions in the face of Western uh, concepts being implemented. Uh, and what needs to be reoriented in the Maasai culture so that cattle do not necessarily overgraze or surround completely wildlife and wilderness areas. So this is a, a big deal. As Josh was talking about, there are several clans of Maasai throughout Kenya and into Tanzania. And um, so the project that uh, uh, he's working on is is – is is large. I'm not sure if, if our listeners fully understand just what a task is is ahead. So um, we're going to come right back. And Dusty, I'd like to thank you for calling in. And if you'd like to stay on or if you have another question, we're going to head into a break. And we'll be back with some more of the uh, interesting parts of what the Cultural Heritage Program is doing, their vision, their mission, and their objectives, and how they go about reaching these objectives. So uh, stay tuned, call in or email us, and we'll be right back after the break. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. 
Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. Welcome back, and we're talking with uh, Josh Pudrenkal Olemusa, a Maasai from uh, the Kilimanjaro Amboseli area of Kenya. And we're talking about the Maasai Cultural Heritage Program, which is the goal is to rekindle and perpetuate Maasai heritage in an age of cultural convergence and loss of traditions to gather sufficient material, culture, art, and traditional knowledge to launch a Maasai festival in 2013 and create the groundswell for a heritage movement. Josh, can you tell us um, what's, how you'll meet some of these objectives for 2013 and how you went about um, gathering uh, ideas and concepts and ways to go about preserving your cult- the Maasai cultural heritage? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we teamed up uh, the, the passing of the traditional elders. Sorry, just getting too on. Hello? Sorry, can, can you hear I, me? Yes. Uh, sorry, can you come again with, with the question? Something with the question, right I was um, wondering, in, in terms of the goals and the vision and the mission of the cult, Maasai Cultural Heritage Program, um, you are, are hoping to gather uh, sufficient material culture, art, and traditional knowledge and to launch a Maasai festival in 2013 and create a groundswell for a heritage movement. So part of what your team had done was to come to the U.S. and meet with another cultural group to get a better understanding of how uh, another – uh, tribal group, the Native um, Americans, the Navajo, went about preserving their culture and created a groundswell movement. Can you tell us some about that experience? Absolutely. Uh, one of the ways that, uh, you know, with the passing of our traditional elders, lack of com- uh, documentation, and rapid modernization and uh, obliterating Maasai traditions and knowledge, inspired by Getting tourism market and Maasai vendors are pirating and eroding traditional craft at the expense of uh, Maasai artisans and communities. Um, we started this by uh, taking the initiative to get outside and learn about what other communities are, are doing to preserve their cultures. And that's when we, came, uh, we decided to, to study from the Navajo, who, who are pretty much 
uh, share a whole lot of similarities with Maasai's. Uh, there's famous as uh, the Maasai people are around the world for their tradition. And being in a westernized country, uh, they, they, they've also faced a whole lot of um, a whole lot of challenges that made them step up and start um, the initiative of preserving their culture. And that's when uh, we attended the Navajo, the 63rd uh, Annual Navajo Art and Cultural Museum in Flagstaff, Arizona. And we had, there we had to, a chance to, to really uh, see a whole lot of things, like we, we, we came across the Risora Stone, for example, a way that uh, they use their, their language in coding, um, how they meet every other year to, to showcase their, their culture, their dances uh, among themselves. Um, the establishment of a museum that stood out to, to show a single culture um, was fascinating. And at the same point while we were there, this is when we really realized that these are two communities from two different worlds that have a whole lot in common to share. And actually, um, right now, the Navajo are on the center stage of the Maasai Heritage Program. These are communities that are really willing to, to work together and help each other um, uh, through uh, cultural ideas. And we plan on taking some Navajo back to Kenya when we open up the museum. But uh, uh, when uh, we... While we were in Arizona, while we were in Arizona, uh, we had the chance to experience the Navajo, the Dinic way of life. Uh, uh, had a chance to be in their hogans, uh, see how they really uh, kind of incorporate their old tradition with the present one. And so this was a really uh, fascinating um, trip and an eye-opening for us uh, as we spearhead the Maasai Heritage Program. Well, this is that's very exciting because it's not often that you'll get a tribal group from Kenya and a team put together and the backing uh, under the the umbrella of an international NGO that will carry forth such a project of actually getting two cultures from, as you say, two different worlds together in the same place at the same time, sharing experiences. Um, so this goes back to what we had said a little while ago about tourists visiting a Maasai cultural manada in Kenya. You got to visit a, a, a Navajo manada, so to speak, and learn about the Dine as people, not just as a tourist attraction. So I can imagine the experience was eye-opening, as you say, and um, I'm really, really glad to hear that some Navajo will be joining you back in Kenya, and I'll bet it'll be a very eye-opening experience for them. So you're looking to open a, a museum and a cultural center, and you're getting lessons from the Navajo on how to go about doing this and coordinate a, a large group of people over a, a large land mass to come together. Uh, did you find some experienced experiences with the Navajo to help you do that and uh, participate in, in a, uh, a yearly festival? Yes, we did. And... Uh... 
you know, there's a whole lot of um, positive uh, ideas that the Navajo shared us that will facilitate the whole uh, Maasai Heritage Program. Um, first of all, um, um, to be able to see that with the custodian of our own cultural practices and we ex we saw that by uh, visiting um, a museum um, that was showca showcasing only a show showing um, the Navajo cultural uh, artifacts and everything that the Navajo culture used. And the same thing right now, we, we're trying, we, we're collecting all the artifacts and we're bringing, we, we learn to, to involve all sorts of Maasai from all corners of, of Kenya and Tanzania, where basically the Maasai communities are located. And so through this, we intend to, to collect our artifacts. Um, uh, we intend to um, bring people together every other year to, to, to share our traditional dances and uh, share our, our food, uh, all the cultural values, uh, see that we, we still are adjusting to the current um, globalization in a positive way that will see our tradition being passed from one generation to another as it used before, but adjusting to, to the current trends in life. So um, the Navajo was a big, big uh, lesson from us. Uh, the court talker story showed us, for example, of how cultural heritage can be a more national security issue. It, this is a reality, uh, really important, but in such a striking example, we really had, had to see it, you know. The Listen, issue, sorry. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. The, the issues of mainstreaming culture in schools for teaching young generations. We had visited a, a Navajo school that they incorporate their traditional values in school and see that kids learn this. Uh, this is something that is, it hasn't happened in Kenya, and I think if it can happen in, in the U.S., so as we, we can do it in Kenya. And so a whole lot of these things, um, a lot of the, the whole experience from the Navajo pretty much build the base of the Maasai Heritage Program, and that's why we intend to keep these two groups working together. And we intend as well to to showcase the Navajo, say, for example, the tourism path which the Maasai have perfected with in a couple of years. Well, this is very exciting. So um, from the Navajo experience that your team had here, have you had the opportunity to go back to Kenya and implement any of that experience and knowledge on the ground in Kenya with uh, the, the groups over there? Yes, um, I personally haven't been able to be there since, but uh, uh, John Kamanga, uh, uh, Tiambati, who, who are among the Maasai that work with me there, are right up front right now trying to implement all these things in, in ex, uh, trying to implement uh, the experience and incorporate it, I mean, together with the ideas that we had to, from the Navajo. So a whole lot of things are going right now on in Kenya in preparation for, for the festival in uh, November. And through this, 
you know, I as well being here uh, every day, is we, you know, we try to, to focus on how to adjust our, or how to put our, our cultural festival together based on what we had learned from the Navajo. So, and, and are you finding a positive response from the people in the various clans on the ground in Kenya? Oh, yes. People are really excited about this. And it's something that we, we've all realized that we need something of our own. And so uh, the, the communities are really uh, excited about it from Narok to southern part. And as I say, this will be in Al-Ghazali, uh, which is uh, southwest of Nairobi, uh, maybe one hour drive, uh, one and a half hour drive from Nairobi. And it o- also like a center point for all these communities. And plus that it's also being a, an archaeological site. It's um, some human fossils were found here a long time ago. So it really has its own story, but just beside being um, the center stage of all the Maasai communities. Well, this is very exciting. So once again, if you'd like to learn more about Josh's pro- uh, the, the program that Josh is a critical team member of the Maasai Cultural Heritage Program, it's under the umbrella of the African Conservation Fund, which can be found at www.africanconservationfund.org and the African Conservation Center at www.conservationafrica.org, and also the South Rift Association of Landowners at www.soralo.org. That's S-O-R-A-L-O. And you can contact Wild Eyes at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E, and we can put you in touch with Josh Kierenkal Olemusa. So today we've had, we hope we've um, gotten our listeners into a little understanding of the huge task that the Maasai are currently facing in a rapidly changing world of globalization and intercultural and cross-cultural exchanges. The Maasai are very interested in regaining and rekindling and, uh, centralizing, not not so much centralizing rule, but centralizing a cultural heritage center that all the Maasai can participate in and share with uh, other cultures and share with tourists. And uh, being located at the site uh, about a, an hour south at, uh, uh, o- o- correct south, my pronunciation. Southwest um, of Og- uh, Nairobi, a place called uh, Orgasagi. Olgasagi, um, which it seems to be a rather uh, natural uh, center of a meeting place. So it's going to be very exciting. They're going to have their first festival in November of 2013. And coming up on uh, March 25th here in Aspen at the Caribou Club, Josh will be holding a small fundraiser and will be available uh, and talking about the Maasai Cultural Heritage Project. So we're out of time today. I'd like to thank Dr. Dusty Becker for calling in. And I'd like to thank Josh Kirankal Olamusa for providing such fascinating information about the project, his history, and uh, information about the Maasai. So until next week, I'd like to say thank you for joining us at Our Wild World, and thank you, Josh, for participating. Thank you, Ellie, and I'd just like to, to, to say that the, day, the opening day for the cultural festival will be 7th to the 9th of uh, November of this month, of, of this year. 
And everybody is more than welcome to travel to Kenya and see that. I think this will be something exciting. And again, to our listeners around Aspen, uh, we're holding um, a Maasai Heritage Pro, uh, Fundraising in Aspen uh, Caribou Club. You're all welcome. It's, it will be open to the public. And also take this chance to to thank everybody that is uh, being involved in this uh, to make it a success. Thank you. And to take an opportunity to meet Josh, uh, a Maasai, and learn more about the Maasai cultural here in the U.S. and even uh, more interestingly here in the middle of the Rocky Mountains in Aspen, Colorado. So thank you, Josh, very much. I look forward to having you on the show again. And um, those of you who want to visit Kenya, I'd say it would be a worthwhile opportunity to connect with Josh or Wild Eyes Foundation, and we can get you the information in the details so that you can be a part of this first annual Maasai Cultural Heritage Festival uh, in November of this year. So in the meantime, I hope you all have a great week. Step out into your wild world and join in in our wild world. And until next week, we say thank you. Thank you you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.